0: Amen. And can you do me a great favor and can you, get, can you thank the worship team for the awesome job they did this morning? Thank you so much, guys. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm not circling the wagons. Don't get nervous. Yeah, so that's why we do what we do. It's so important when we come together. And the enemy's been trying to bask our voices The enemy is trying to contain us and shut us up because if he can shut you up, he can sit you down. But if, I want to let you know he can't steal your sound. And if he can't steal your sound, he can't keep you shackled. Say, my sound shatters, shackles. Shackles. How many pieces you got left? One and a half. Okay, good. Guard it with your life. It's Betty Ann's banana bread. Don't even think about it. My eyes are on you, and I have men that will attack. I want to start off, Derek, I want to start off the, the message a little different than I've ever started off before. Has to deal with Chris Farley And Matthew Perry the unlikely couple not they don't love each other that much or that way the unlikely couple that would make a journey of discovery of North America and as an Indian I don't know how I feel about that because we were here thank you hello We were the guys that were here before you discovered America. But they they are the other amazing duo that were like Lewis and Clark, but only quite a bit different. And so we have Chris Farley and Matthew Perry. They gather a bunch of people, and Matthew Perry is a rich aristocrat that's just trying to make a name for himself in the world. And you have Chris Farley, who is... Absolutely out of his mind, crazy. But is up for the task of going across the nation, he has a few tracking skills. I don't know if this is going as well as I thought it would go in my head. But we shall proceed, just like Chris Farley. Resolute. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck, back there. Just every once in a while, just give me a sympathy, chuckle, something. Thank you. So they start out, and they're going down the river, and, and they say, play me that daunting urge that you played the other day. And it's exactly and the same thing he plays every time on his bagpipes. And so they're going down the river, and, the, and he's talking about the, all these wild beasts and things that, that, would, that could kill a man with a pinky. And they're talking about the badger that, that, that hands of, a, of the size of a frying pan, and, rah, ha, ha. and, and talking about the hawks the that could sweep down and rip your. I'm trying to keep it PG, I don't know if I'm doing it or not. And he's talking about all the wild creatures and everything that we're going to take place uh, and and could possibly face as they're going down the journey of discovery. Anybody feel the anointing yet? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, they look over there and they've got cannons mounted. They've got rifles and they're ready for anything, a bear, a lion, a mountain or a giant. It would be a mountain lion. Anyway, they're ready for anything. And they said, and they're going down there and, they, and and everything is good. And they said, look over there. There's one of them right now. And they and they all look, oh no. And then it's cannon fodder. There's like, they are got the rifles. And they're just firing and throwing things in. And he says, calm down, calm down. It's just a squirrel. But then one of the more brilliant people in the boat says, but look, he's got something in his hand. And then they begin to fire, 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 fire. Apparently, you should probably watch it. Or maybe not. What's in his hand? Believe it or not, the, my message this morning is, what is that in your hand? it it didn't make any sense that a squirrel would 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 cause that kind of reaction for some a nut that he had in his hand what is that in your hand what is that that you have in your hand that god can use what what where are we right now like what am i doing when is things gonna go back to normal? What am I gonna do in the, the in the time being? What what can I do? I'm just me. I just were. I'm not even working right now. I'm getting served. I'm 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 getting help from the government. What what do I? What can what can I little old me do? What can we do? Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this group of people. And I thank you, Lord God, for our capabilities. I thank you for our strength. I thank you for our promises that are yes and amen. I thank you for these moments, Lord God, where you're turning the tribulation, where you're taking the, cru- the, the crucible and you're giving us a crown. We receive the crown, Lord God, that everything that we're going through is producing, Father God, a mighty Payday. We thank you for the payday today in Jesus' mighty name. Look at your neighbor and say, "What's that in your hand?" If you have your Bibles and you should have your Bibles, I won't even look up. You turn to Acts. Uh, sorry, to Exodus chapter four. Say, "What is that?" In your hand. Thank you, one person. Say, What is that? What is that in your hand? Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it, and the Lord said, cast it on the ground. So he he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand, and he caught it. And it became a rod in his hand again that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then go down to verse 20. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And listen what he says. And Moses took... The rod of God in his hand. Say, little is much in the hand of God. He throws down his rod. What is that in your hand? Every one of us have something that we have authority with, something that is under our uh, capabilities, something, it doesn't matter if it's, I know this lady, her name was Daniel Strickland, and she's used mightily by God over overseas. She was known as the muffin woman, the muffin lady. And God told her, she said, how do I, she was praying to God, and she said, how do I reach the prostitutes in the red light district? And the Lord says, what is in your hand? She had muffins. And she would deliver muffins to the prostitutes. And there was love in those muffins. There was an anointing of love in those muffins. Somebody found out that somebody cared enough to bake them muffins. What is in your hand? You you think that it's just little. You, you, you You see, David, David had a harp that he made out of his hands. What you did earlier was instituted by David. Every one, of these, every one of these instruments that these people had in their hands was designed by David himself, King David. Hold my messages. David had a harp in his hand and his greatest weapon, not the sling, not the stone, not the sword of the enemy, his greatest weapon would be the harp in his hand as he praised his God and prepared him. Your praise prepares you to operate in power. Your praise. What is is that in your hand? Solomon showed up and he had oil in his hands and he anointed King David and David would be on a 6,205 day journey before what happened with Solomon's hand. As he anointed David, laid hands on him it would be 6,205 days later, he would finally receive the crown from the enemy. What is that in your hand? David would show up to take out the baddest man on the planet. Nine foot six. If you ever drive through Timmy's? Thank you. The sign is nine foot six. That's exactly the size that Goliath was that David faced that day. The enemy is always trying to put questions in your mind about your gifts, your talents, and that thing in your hand. The enemy is always trying to get you to question and trying to belittle you. David shows up with his sling and his stones. And his oldest brother, his translated strength. His oldest brother, his name translated into English is strength. Strength will come to you and say intimidating things to you. Like, why are you not with those few sheep? I know the naughtiness of your heart. You're just nosy, David. The enemy is always trying to belittle you and to shut you up and sit you down because he's so afraid of what you will produce. Say, I'm valuable. Say, I am powerful. I have abilities. I have gifts. But I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his love. I need his faithfulness. He is so faithful. What was in David's hand? David, David had, had his talents, he had his, his capabilities, he had his, his things. What he learned on the backside of being empowered, playing his harp and worshiping God, and then a, a bear would show up. <laughs> which strength would come upon him that he received in the midst of praise. And he would take the, the mouth of the lion and tear it apart. Say, so I am 10 foot tall and bulletproof in the midst of my obedient praise. David showed up with a staff, five stones, and a string, and a piece of leather. You know the rest of the story. I don't have time to go into it. But it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 18, 19. He shows up. He does his job. He knocks the he knocks the giant down with his gift what was in his hand what was in his hand what was what is that in your hand am I a dog Goliath says "Am you're coming at me with sticks and stones am I a dog you have no idea I remember I was preaching at a camp meeting in the Hamilton area for for um uh. Dr. Russ Moyer. And the enemy came to me and says, you're nothing. And he he comes to you and he tries to intimidate you all the time. And in this one day he just said to me, you're nothing. And I didn't react. I just thought about it for a minute. I didn't like rebuke him, speak to him. I began to understand whose I was. I began to understand who I was. And I said, you know what? You might be right with that. You might, you might got one right. Said, but I just want to, just want to point a little, little something, something, something out to you today, Satan. Look around. See all this. See, see the mountains, see the rivers, see the grass, see the, see this tent, see these people. God made everything out of Nothing. So I think I'm okay. Because if he can do that out of nothing, what can he do with me? All things. He can do all things. I hope you receive fresh hope today. I hope you receive fresh vision today. I hope you're able to see beyond the paradigm paralysis. So many of us are caught in a, in a paralysis within our thoughts, a, para, a, a paradigm paralysis. We're, what means, what this means is you can't think beyond. We're just stuck in this mask. We're stuck in this line. We're stuck at home. We're stuck in this situation. We're stuck in this problem. We're stuck in this hereditary curse. We're stuck in this addiction. We're stuck in this problem. We're stuck in this accusation. We're stuck in this lie. We're stuck in these familiar spirits. We're stuck in these situations and circumstances. And what am I going to do? I can't think beyond say this is my until moment Daniel chapter 721 says I saw the horn the enemy warring against the Saints and prevailing against them until until verse 22 of Daniel chapter 7 until a judgment Of favor was made on behalf of the saints and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. It's your decision of when you're going to possess your promised land. God said it is finished. He went to heaven. He put the blood on the mercy seat. He sent forth Holy Spirit and then he took up his place on the throne with God. And he turned over the family business and he, and he said, Here, here, my sons and my daughters that would be born not of just water but of the Spirit. The, here is the Holy Spirit. He will be your comforter. He will be your provider. He will be your counselor. He will become just like me to you except that you will become one with him. Say, I have become one with the greater one that is in me. Take your hand like this. Look at it. What is that? What is that in your hand? Look at it again say, Father, show me that which you put in my hand. In Jesus' name. So so Moses, Moses was on an 80-year journey before he received his commissioning from God. He was 40 years learning the ways of Egypt. And then he was 40 years running for treason, murder, sedition, Forty years running. Say unlikely deliverer. Who am I? I'm the least of my family, the least of the tribes. You have Gideon, fearful, treading in the wine press, winnowing in the wine press, hiding from the Amalekites and the Midianites that were raiding. And God said, come to him in the midst of his fear, in the midst of his problem, in the midst of his despair, in the midst of everything he was going through. He was hiding. And God said, oh, mighty man of valor. And I say to you, and I say to you on, uh, online, oh, mighty woman and oh, mighty man of valor. Don't be moved by your circumstantial evidence. Don't be moved by your problem. Don't be moved by your past. My friend Sammy Robertson would say often, he says, your biography doesn't determine your destiny. If it was, why would he choose Rahab the harlot? To be the rescuer of, of Israel why would he choose the, the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery thrown at the feet of Jesus dressed maybe a sheet and probably just barely a sheet because they grabbed a ray in the ray in the you know trying to keep it PG thrown at the feet of Jesus and She was the woman that Jesus delivered of the seven deadly sins. She's the one that had seven demons cast out of her. She's the one that was the prostitute. She was the one that would be chosen to anoint the body of the creator of the universe. She had the oil that cost a year's wages in her hand. What is that? Prostitute in your hand. Don't let your biography determine your purpose. Don't let your past history, experiences, frailty, failures. Determine what you do today. You're one moment away from salvation. You're one moment away from deliverance. You're one revelation away from being out of a pit and into a palace. Say, this is my until moment. I think Mary Magdalene is my favorite character in the Bible. The apostolic. Delo to the apostolic. She was the one, I I think I could use the term ecbeloed. She was the one that was sent. She was the first apostle. Mary Magdalene was the first, the very first apostle. What is an apostle? A sent one. She was the very first one that Jesus, Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, adulteress, who anointed the body of Jesus because she had oil in her hands. Oil that was made by doing the dirty deeds. How can God use me? How could God use Mary Magdalene? How could God use Moses, who was a murderer? How could God use somebody that has a past? The Moabites and the Ammonites. Were cursed up to the tenth generation because they were conceived in an in a adulterous ancestral relationship with their father. In a drunken state, they conceived the Ammonites and Moabites. The Moabites would become protectors of David for a season. Joshua's in the valley of Moab when God said in three days you will go across and you will possess your promises in the promised land that I purposed for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were camped in a cursed valley amongst a cursed people. Earlier in history, we would find out in the valley of Moab is where you find the Acacia Grove. The Acacia Grove, you've heard me preach on this from here, is also called Shittim Grove. Shittim Wood. And I don't maybe you need to just use your own event imagination don't let it go wild but sometimes you're in a really excuse my language crappy place stinky place things I want to do God the things I want to do I, I don't do but the things I don't want to I do I, I find myself continually doing. oh this wretched flesh who will deliver me That was the guy that wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament. His name was the Apostle Paul. So, Barry, are you saying that you need a resume of sedition, murder, adultery? No. But I'm saying it also doesn't necessarily lead to your identification. Your history doesn't determine your destiny. What is that that you have in your hand? Moses was on on an 80-year journey before he received his commissioning. Is it too late for me? It's never too late. If you have breath in your lungs, you still have hope. You still have a purpose. You still have something to contribute. How am I going to save the prostitutes in the red light district in Holland? I'm going to make the muffins. Of course, that's what you would do. What's that in your hand? Moses had a, a staff, a rod, that he would move the sheep and move the chunk out of the way. He had a staff in his hand. God asked him, what is that in your hand? Little is much in the hand of God. Don't belittle what you have. Before there was a was, there was a God who is nowhere in the midst of nothing dreaming about you. You are all together in God. You came out of God into this realm as a dream. Wrapped in flesh. As an answer and a solution and placed in chaos to bring forth order. So don't tell me you are not significant and you don't have an answer or a solution. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It matters. Are you his? And is he yours? That's what matters. I wish I could stand up here and say that I've been perfect. Tammy, who I confess almost all my sins. And if not, I've confessed him to Kevin or I've confessed him to Tony or She could tell you that I'm not perfect. But I think she could tell, tell you that I'm being perfected. That I'm on a journey. That I don't let yesterday's failures determine what I do today. what is that in your hand Moses he's on this journey he's running for 40 years for his life and God shows up in a burning bush and he comes as he comes closer to the burning bush the voice comes out of the burning bush and he says take off your shoes for you where you are standing Is holy ground and I begin to think what makes this holy ground what makes that bush holy there's bunny droppings there's briars there's there's dirt but God is saying take off your shoes for where you are standing is holy ground Hold that story for just a sec let 's go back to the valley of moab they 're sitting in the valley of Moab, the place that God himself would take acacia wood or shittim wood and make the foundation that would that would frame the ark of the covenant. The ark is what they would carry that had moses staff can you or it would have, or was that Aaron's staff? The one that budded almond. And I think it was Moses. Moses' staff had the Ten Commandments and had some manna that didn't rot. And it had the, the seraphim. It had the angels. and had the mercy seat. And the glory of God sat upon the ark. This was the gold that they laid over, the structure came from a cursed ground from amongst the cursed people. Sounds very familiar? He takes somebody that's been cursed, somebody that has a past of sin, somebody that has a lot of problems, a lot of pain, and he still says, I will cover them with my glory. I will not sit down and I will not shut up. This is the way I go. Standing, declaring, and walking on the high places of problem, suffering, and responsibility and making progress. Habakkuk 319. We are, we are a people that have been called out. We're called the ecclesia of God. We're the ones that are called out to rule and reign. And how do you rule and reign? What is in your hand? (laughs) Moses would take his staff, that he would call the rod of God. All of a sudden, when you get a different perspective on whose you are and who you are, you get a better perspective on your, on your gift or your talent or the thing that God. When when you when you see it in action, and he threw it down and he picked it up, and it became a, an unlikely man as a deliverer and an unlikely gift that turns into a snake. Aren't snakes bad? Isn't that how we ended up in this whole situation? He picks it up and it becomes this. He picks it up out of obedience to God. He throws it down and he picks it up and it becomes. It turns from a staff into the rod of God. Exodus chapter 14:13 through 16 and Moses said to the people, "Do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see no more forever." Say my gaze, say my gaze, determine my days. My gaze determines my days. What you focus upon. See, all you can see when you're in a pit is dirt all around you. Remember Joseph who was thrown in a pit by his brothers and Judah rescued him? He was, they were going to kill him? They said, no, let's wait for the Midianites. We'll sell them. Throw them in this pit. He was in a pit, and all you can see when you're in a pit is dirt all around. What is the pit that you're in that you can see only dirt all around? You can only see your circumstance. You can only see your situation. You can only see that hereditary curse happening again and again. That addiction. What do you see? You have to change your gaze. You must refocus and recalibrate your mind so you can refocus your eyes and lift up. Your eyes. He said, the enemy that you see today, you will see no longer forever. Not only are they going to be defeated, but you need to take your focus off what you're going through and and put it on who you're going to. Say, Father, I receive the anointing From Revelations chapter 3, I apply that anointing, the eye salve, to my eyes that I might see. See, what we've been trained in the kingdom of God is we focus on whatsoever is good, pure, holy, anything excellent or praiseworthy. These are the things that we dwell upon. Do you know that the Bible said, be innocent about what is evil? Well, I got to know my enemy. Why? Well, so I could fight him. The enemy is inconsequential and without intentionality. The enemy is not our focus. The virus is not our focus. The in The in. Stability of the market is not our focus. Our focus is on whatsoever is good, pure, holy, anything excellent or praiseworthy. These are the things that we dwell upon. It is hard. Do you not know what I'm going through? My God, these guys could tell you a few things of what I go through. Well, it's okay. You just got a perfect family and a perfect wife. You're welcome. You don't have any problems. If they only knew And I don't have any problems cuz all I need is faith in God If I have faith of a mustard seed of a mustard seed this is Jesus said You can say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea and it shall be uprooted and put in the sea. Mustard seed faith is not size of your faith. It's longevity of your standing. It's not mass and quantity. It's time. Mustard seed faith. When he would show up to the disciples and he he would say, Olly, God, pistis which translated into English as you of little faith. You of a short burst of faith. He's looking for some people that will have faith in his word, faith in his promises, faith in the dream that he gave you, and faith that what is that in your hand? akora mama sapakai. The enemy that you see today, you shall see no longer forever. For the, uh, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Wow. They're stuck in a, between a rock and a hard place. They have this, the, the Red Sea or the Reed Sea. I don't care which one. Because some people said, no, it was the Reed Sea. And, and it, was only, it was only a little bit of water. Okay, I'm, I'm fine with that. He drowned a whole army in a little bit of water. You tell, I, 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 what miracle do you want in that story? He says, the, God himself will fight for you you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? (laughs) I think he said that to me a few times. I found, I have this this way of praying sometimes and it's called whining. Sometimes it's really effective because there's faith in your whine. Sometimes you're so overwhelmed. You're like Paul the Apostle in the flood of accusation, the flood of of, of wrongdoing, the flood of betrayal, the flood of sickness, the flood of not knowing what to do in the place called unknown. It just seems so impossible. But somebody say, until. Say, this is my until moment. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And then he says, but lift up your rod and stretch it over your, over your hand and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. The staff that would become the rod of, the, of God that would become the deliverer of Israel. The staff that would just push sheep and move crap. It, it would be the rod of God that would deliver a complete two million people. Say little is much in the hand of God. Samson had a donkey, had a jawbone of a donkey. And he would kill a thousand Philistines. the jawbone of a jackass in the hand of a man or woman of God slayed a thousand Philistines. Say, what is that in your hand? Ruth had grain that she gleaned from the field. David, like I said earlier, had stones and defeated the mighty champion, Goliath, Goliath of Goth. Then David would stand over his gift would take out the giant but the the sword that was forged the weapon that was forged against him to kill him to destroy him to destroy Israel he found that what is that in your hand and he had the enemy's weapon he had the enemy's sword he had the sword that became the sword of the Lord the rod of God the sword of the Lord And he took the head off of the so-called champion, held it up, blood dripping down his arm, and stuffs it in the side of the hill that we find out later would be called Golgotha, the place of the skull, the place where the king who learned how to praise on the backside of nowhere with what is that in your hand? It's a harp that he used to praise God. That, don't belittle what God has put in your hand. There's the unnamed boy that had five loaves and two fishes that provided 5,000 people food. There's the the woman like I spoke about earlier, the the one with the alabaster jar, Mary Magdalene, the, the one that would anoint the body of our Savior. What is that in your hand? So the question is, what do we do right now what can what can I do right now? What how can I provide? What do I have? What is under my authority? What is in my command? What can I do in this season of containment? In the season of silence. In the season of I cannot breathe. What can I do? You need to ask God, what is in my hand? Give me revelation of what is in my hand. What is in in your command? John chapter 10, verse 18. No one takes it from me. This is Jesus. He says, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This is... Command I have received from my Father. That word command is antole. It means authoritative prescription. What is your command? Jesus says, I can lay it down and I can tell you, this is my command for my. What is your place of being? What is your place there? What can you do? I want to tell you, every one of you, have a, an authoritative prescription that has been prescribed by your father. What is the end an, and an tole in your life? You have authority when you have responsibility and relationship. Jesus had the responsibility of the whole world. His authoritative command is that he must lay down his life and he must pick it up again. He had the power. What do you have power to do? What is the thing that you can do? Ask your dad. Say, what is the thing that I can do that can save a generation, can save my family, can save the people around me? What is my answer? When nothing is normal... What in the world am I going to do now? Nothing is working out. There's, there's no jobs in this city unless you want to work 40 hours a week. Thank you. Thank you. Chuck? Thank you. I want to end with this story. In, in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 12, basically we have... Israel under siege, and, and they're literally, I don't mean to be gross or anything, but they're literally eating their children. The siege, the Syrians have, have, have sieged, and, and, and they've surrounded Samaria, and, and, and they don't know what to do. Everything is lost. And there's four lepers sitting outside the gate sitting outside the place of authority in their leprous situation, in their leprous problem, sitting there dying. And the Syrians are often around the, all of Samaria and they don't know what to do. And they look at each other and he said, why do we sit here till we die? Don't sit still in terror. Don't stand still in terror. Walk in obedience. What is that? under? Where should I go? What is in my hand? What can I do? Don't listen to the dictates of CNN and Fox News. You need to think beyond the prophets of doom. And how can I be an answer? Could I get a better amen somewhere? So they said, if we we go into the city, we're going to be killed. They probably won't eat us because we have leprosy. I don't know, they might. If we go to the Syrians, well, they'll probably kill us, but they got food. I like the way they think. (laughs) I think if you think with your belly, you'll never go wrong. I don't know. It's worked for me. Say, why do we sit here till we die? They get up and they begin to walk towards the Assyrian encampment. And you know what? You can read it yourself. 2 Kings 7, 1 through 12. This is what God did with one step. One step of obedience in 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 the area of your authority and under the prescribed authority. One step towards. He multiplied the sound in the ground of their of these eight feet eight is a number of new beginning god used four lepers in their leopardess situation outside a place of authority use eight feet to deliver a whole nation he multiplied the sound and it sounded like chariots and horses and they said to each other, oh, they must have hired other, other armies to come after and the Assyrians fled. They went in and they pillaged the place and they brought back food for everybody. Don't sit there in the leperous problems of your past life. Don't muse and mutter and meditate on your past frailties and failures. Don't muse and meditate on the things that the enemy is trying to focus you upon. Say, God, what is that in your hand? Say, little as much in the hands of God. In John chapter 10, verses 27 and 30, it tells about how that nobody can take you from the hand of God. And that's why I want to end this morning. This is my fourth ending. He says, nobody can take you from the hand of God. Nobody can you, harpezo you, which means snatch you away. It's where we get get the whole uh, idea of rapture. It's the same word, harpezo. Nobody can take you from, lift you out. Nobody can take you from Jesus' hand. And then Jesus goes on further to say, nobody can take you from my hand, but nobody can take you from God's hand. And I I want you to ask God today, what is that in your hand? Say, that's me. (sighs) Say, that's me. That's me in your hand. That's me in your hand. You got me. If you guys believe any of what I said, can you just give God a hand, clap of praise this morning? <laughs> Were you nervous when I brought this much material up? You should have been. I'd like to go on and tell you about identity. Identity. And that your identity starts with whose you are, not who you are. And when you understand that you're in God's hands. It's like years ago, Clint Brown says, I'd rather be in the hands of an angry God than not in his hands at all. I want to be in his hands. I am in his hands. Could you stand with me this morning as I pray? You listening over the airwaves to this message now or in the future. He's got you. Jesus was the savior that was, that's, that was shed his blood before the foundation and the formation of earth. That makes him your, your savior before he was your creator. He's got your back and he's got you in his hands. It's not only what you have in your hands that you can ask God, what can I do? But he's got you. In his hands Jesus has got you in his nail-pierced hands father God I thank you for this morning I thank you for hope I thank you for father God revelation this morning I thank you father God for the mysteries being unveiled this morning I thank you Lord God for, for re- revealing to us Lord God what we can do in this season the step that we can take what is in our hands Lord God show us what we can do and the step we can take In the answer we can be, I pray this, Father God, all in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Make sure you high elbow somebody on the way out. And And not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday, please come out. We had a fantastic time last corporate prayer. So we bless you guys and have an awesome week. Bye for now. Hey, everybody. Pastor Kevin Dowling here from Desert Stream. Just giving a shout out to you and saying thanks for joining us this week. We trust that you received something out of what was shared today, and we hope that it spoke to you and that it encouraged you in this season that we find ourselves in. You know, you could do us a big favor if you would just uh, share, uh, like, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let people know that there's a place that you found that you're getting an encouragement and hope each and every week. We hope you plan to check in with us next week, be a part of our expression again, and help spread the word that God is in control in the midst of this season.